Welcome to our Deep Rooted Podcast, a weekly podcast featuring our latest live Bible study, as well as other encouraging messages and teachings from our hearts to yours. So if you have your Bibles, like I said this morning, go to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17. The book of Jeremiah, chapter 17. And the word says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spread out its roots by the river, and will not fear when the heat comes. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Nor will cease from yielding fruit. So today I want to talk to you about bearing fruit, living an overflowing life of bearing fruit, bearing fruit. You know, the Bible says, Jesus says, that they shall know you by your fruits. And quite the opposite. He's talking about hypocrites and, and, and false teachers. And he says, you will know them by their fruits. So if, if Jesus is telling us that we will know false preachers and, and no false people and no hypocrites when we see them or no Pharisees when we see them, he says, you will know them by their fruit. Well, then it has to apply to us too. That you'll know us by our fruits. That people out in the world will experience you and they'll know who you are because of your fruit. I mentioned this a while ago, but I love using the, the illustration of me and my dad. We look alike. We, we always... I've always looked like him, and I've always gotten, you look so much like your dad. And growing up, I hated it. Hated it so much. Try to change my hair, go emo, whatever I could do to not look like my dad. I did it. And as I've gotten older, I've learned to cherish that. I've learned to accept that and embrace that and look more and more like him. I mean, I might have better clothes. I might have better hair, but it's okay. I still love him. Yeah, he does have great hair. He has great hair for his age. Great. I love you, Dad. Um, back to the message. But I love looking like him now. I, I love being resembled as him because he's a great man. Great man. Everyone who ever encounters him, they have nothing bad to say about him. And that's how it's like with Jesus. When you're with Jesus... When you're hanging out with him, when you're spending time with him, you begin to look like him. And that's considered a fruit. That's a fruit. The word fruit, and I looked this up, the word fruit, it means, I'm getting way ahead of myself. I'm like on my fifth point already. But the word fruit means that which is originated 
or coming from something as an effect or a result. So it's an effect or result. It's, 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 a, ref, it's a result of what someone did, right? It's a fruit. You plant a seed into the ground, you see a tree that springs up, and then you see whatever the fruit is of the seed that was planted, right? Um, you could plant an or you can plant an orange seed, an apple seed, maybe a peach seed, and you can plant all these seeds, but you're not gonna know what kind of tree it is until you see the fruit, right? You're not gonna know what seed was planted until the result shows up, right? Right. You know a couple, they're married. Nine months later, they have a big belly. You know what happened. There was a seed planted, right? So the fruit is always a result of a seed that was planted. So the Bible says, you will not cease from yielding fruit. And the very first portion of the scripture says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. He shall be like a tree planted by water. Planted. Something that I've seen all throughout scripture is there is this overwhelming evidence of the term consistency all throughout scripture consistency the key to growing in life is consistency and that word consistency is oftentimes used in words like trust they trust in the lord they're consistent with him they hope in the lord they're consistent with him they're planted in the lord they're consistent with him Consistency is such a huge factor in, in Scripture when it comes to yielding fruit, producing fruit. In Mark chapter 4, the Bible says that a man will cast seed into the ground, sleep and rise night and day. The seed will sprout up. Sleep and rise night and day. I mean, obviously in this night and day time period you have to plant you have to water and nourish that seed it's consistent you have to be consistent we have a few house plants in our house the moment we stop watering them and we're, we're not consistent with them they're gonna die but the more we're consistent with the watering the more we're consistent the more it lives right there's this key of consistency in here and this is where this ministry stands on. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 8. We will be like a tree planted by water. We won't be careful when the heat comes. We won't be worried when the trials come. We won't be worried when pressure hits because we're planted. And nothing can shake us. Nothing. I hate to use this, but we have many oak trees. Many oak trees in, in Visalia, right? And it's illegal to take them down. How many accidents do you know happen with those oak trees, but every time the oak tree is still standing? It's because they're so strong. They're so strong, and their roots go so deep into the floor, to the ground. Palm trees, 
That's why there's palm trees in Florida in hurricane areas because no matter how fast the winds come, how hard the wind puts pressure on those trees, their roots are so deep into the ground, they're unmovable. They can't. They can't move. Many times, a lot of pastors use the, the terminology or the illustration of bamboo and how bamboo, it takes years and years and years for you to finally see it sprout up because all of those years, it's digging its roots deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the ground. But within like a year's time, it springs up like a hundred times more than it did in those four years of preparation because its roots are deep. Its roots are deep. And that's why we, we, we stand on this scripture for our ministry. Our ministry is a ministry to get your roots deep into God's word. And I love our name because no matter where I go, no matter who I listen to, there is always a reference to deep-rooted. Always. Not us, but just the, the term being deeply rooted. I hear that all the time. I could be listening to a podcast of these Christian guys who aren't really talking about like the Bible, but just talking about life. And they talk about being deeply rooted into something. Other, other pastors will talk about being deeply rooted. Such a great name. And the Lord, the Lord gave us that name. Of course, it's going to be great. But we got to be rooted. We got to be rooted in something that's more stable than what the world has to offer. Turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. I love this scripture. The Bible says, I am the vine, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit he takes away. He takes it away. Cuts you off. No. I want you to look at the wording in this scripture. Every branch that is in me, he takes it away. Now, Lord, what in the world are you talking about? Well, just before this, in John... Jesus says that anyone who is in him, in his palm, nothing and no one can take him out of his palm. And if Jesus says, every branch in me, you're in his palm, does not bear fruit, he takes away. But he just said, no one can take you away from my hands. So what is he talking about here? A lot of pastors and a lot of ministers say that God will cut you off in life and he will, going back to Deuteronomy, he'll humble you. He'll make you go through this so you can be humbled. Old Testament. Show me New Testament. And people think that his way of making you better is by making you go through hardship. But this word right here, and I got to thank my, one of my board members and our, our great friend, Dave, if you're watching. He showed me this. I, I, 
I'm like everyone else. I, I'm reading this and I just glance over the words. Like he takes away next part and every branch that bears fruit. I didn't think about it. But he goes to show me that the, the verbiage he takes away, King James says he taketh away, is literally translated, he lifts up. He lifts you up. If you're not bearing fruit, he'll lift you up so you can begin to bear fruit. He won't condemn you. He won't put you in the, in the dirt. He won't make you go through hardship. He will lift you up so that you can begin to bear more fruit. It says, in every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Again, you got a lot of people saying that the word pruning here, well, if you, if you, go, to the, if you go to a tree and you look at the, the limbs and it's, it's, it's getting too big, you have to cut it back so it can produce more fruit. So God will cut you off. God will limit you so that you can start to grow again. That's what they try to do. But again, the word pruning here literally means make you clean. That's all that means. And I love this because when you understand it this way, when you understand it the other way, if you're not bearing fruit, you're going to get cut off. If you are bearing fruit, you're still going to get cut off. Where's the victory? No victory. So something's wrong here. So he says, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it, that it can bear more fruit. And the word prune, I said, it, it just means to make clean and listen to what he says here. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. I'm getting deep right now, but the word clean in the Greek is the same exact Greek word for prune. Same exact word. So although Jesus was using vines and branches to illustrate his point, it doesn't take a smart person to understand we're not trees. We're not vines. We're human beings. And God doesn't cut us off like a, tr a tree is cut off. He cleans us. And he cleans us through his word. This is how God chastens us. This is how God directs us, is through his word. In Timothy, the Bible says that the word of God is perfect. It is perfect for making us perfect. It's perfect for making us perfect. It says, God's word is, is God, all scripture is God breathed and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and righteousness, instruction, and righteousness, so that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's what it says. And paraphrasing, the word of God is perfect to make us perfect. So that's how God chastens us. That's how God teaches us. The, the word of God is the only book that not you just read, but it reads you. While you're reading it, it's reading you and it's correcting you. It's saying, see, this isn't where you're supposed to be. This is where you're supposed to be. You're, you need to go this way, but you're doing this. Here, let me correct you. That's what the word does for us. It corrects us. It teaches us. It disciplines us. You know, The church has an unhealthy relationship with God and correction. 
You have some people in the church where you don't think God corrects you at all. You just do whatever you want and and God it's fine. Everything's fine. And and you can just live in sin and and abuse grace and people have that kind of mindset. But then people have the other mindset of where God's going to strike you down unless you turn, unless you stop sinning, unless you do these things. It's an unhealthy relationship with discipline. And the way God disciplines us is not the way parents discipline children. You see, a lot of times, a lot of times, we like to relate to God like we relate to an earthly father. We like to put God into a father figure on this earth. And that's wrong. The Bible says that you being evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? So even, even the Bible says, Jesus says, that even though you're a good parent, you're still evil compared to me, compared to God's love, God's parenting. So we can't, we can't relate the way parents discipline us to the way God disciplines us. Obviously, God's not going to spank us. God's not going to put us in a timeout, right? But to say that, you know, God gave me this sickness to teach me a lesson. God gave me this so I can learn something else. It's like saying, yeah, my parents chopped my arm off because I wasn't listening. It's inhumane. It's horrible. God loves you. He doesn't want to hurt you. He loves you. So we got to understand this. That Jesus said, you are already clean. You're already clean through the word which I have spoken over you. Then he says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone else does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gathered the, uh, them and they throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you might ask, you may, maybe you'll ask, you will ask. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. See, bearing fruit is representation of who God is. We are to represent Jesus to the people who don't have him. And if we're just as sick, just as poor, just as depressed, just as troubled, just as whatever, as the world, there is no difference. The only difference is you're going to heaven and they're not. But that only benefits you. And we're not called to benefit our own self. We're called to benefit others, be a blessing to others. And bearing fruit is the door to benefit somebody else. 
Somebody sees you going through a hardship, but you're triumphing like a, a joyful person. How do they do that? How are they so happy? That's bearing fruit. You're in a world where everybody is scared of a virus. You're not. How do they do that? Bearing fruit. We've got to bear fruit. We have to bear fruit. And the word abide, abiding means to continue in, to dwell in, to trust in, to endure in, be present, to remain, do not depart. Not to depart. That's what abiding means. And I can't, I can't begin to express how many Christians we have vacationing in him. Not abiding, vacationing. They come to church on Sunday, they hear a good message for 20 minutes, and then they go off on Monday and do whatever they want. Tuesday, do whatever they want. Wednesday, do whatever they want. Thursday, oh no, something happened. Hi, Lord. Friday, prayer answered. Do whatever I want. That's not abiding. That's not abiding. And the word says that if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So what can you expect if you're not abiding in him? No fruit. No fruit. No power. No joy. This is why a lot of people are depressed. This is why a lot of Christians are depressed. This is why they're not living an overflowing life. It's because they're just beaten down. They're beat down by life. They're beat down by the devil. And it's because they're not abiding. They're not abiding. This is a promise. If you abide in Jesus, you will bear fruit. And what's fruit? There's been a lot of debates of you're bearing the fruits of the Spirit. You're, you're making someone saved. That's a fruit. Um, whatever. Bearing fruit is just a result of planting something in the beginning. And when you're abiding in him, you've planted him into your heart. You've planted the word into your heart. And therefore, there's going to be a harvest. There's going to be fruit. There will be. And if we're not bearing fruit, it's a sign that we did not plant or we did not nourish what we had planted. We've got to stay consistent. You've got to be continuing in him every single day. Not just, oh, I just thought of this. Great, great friend of mine, Andrew Padilla. He wrote a beautiful song this past month. Or I don't know how long you took to write it. But he released a song this month called Best Friend. And in the song, it says, I want to be best friends, not just hey. So beautiful. And how many times can we do that? Lord, I need this from you. I need, something's happening in my life. My children are doing this. My, my dogs are doing this. My health is depleting. God, I need you, Lord. I need you. I'll read my Bible every single morning. Five-minute devotion. Bible app. Five-minute Check off the list. Check off the list. Uh, by his stripes. Where was that again? I, I remember that in Scripture somewhere. Uh, it is finished. Where was that again? Was that in Jeremiah? or How is that abiding? Then God answers your prayer. Oh, Lord, thank you for healing me. Oh, Lord, thank you for delivering me. Oh, Lord, thank you for this. Thank you for that. Hey, buddy, you want to go clubbing? Hey, you want to go this? Oh, I'm feeling great now. You want to go do that? No. No, 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 no. 
we, we use God as, as <laughs> like we would use a person in an unhealthy relationship, a toxic relationship. We use God to get what we want, and once we got it, we're out. And it's so common because we do it with people. We do it with people. And if we can do that to people who we can see, people who we can relate to, it's so much easier to do it to someone we can't see, someone we don't relate to. I can't remember, I honestly can't remember a time, the last time where I did not talk to God. I don't, I'm not saying it to, to boast, you can do that too. It's when I'm driving, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done. Thank you for the clouds. I, th- I talk about the, the weather and the nature. When I see big, puffy clouds, Lord, thank you. That's so beautiful. At the grocery store, Father, thank you for letting me walk. Just last night, I was looking at my feet and said, Father, thank you for giving me good feet. I have great feet. Perfect arch. Long toes. Can grip things. They don't swell when I'm walking on them. Just thanked him, right? Who thanks him for your feet? I mean, I'm nowhere. I, I am, I am so f- far from where I used to be, but I am not even close to where he wants me to be. It's a journey. It's a long life journey, and as many times as I get, as as many chances as I get, I just try to make a conversation with him. I just got a new radio in our car. I love it. It's great. It's Bluetooth. It has a map on it. I thank him for it. Every time in the car, thank you for this. It's so good. You see, but when we just use him for the blessing, just use him for the provision, it goes back to Deuteronomy. Don't forget. Don't forget that it was him who did all these things. Don't just get all this blessing and all of a sudden, all right, thanks, G. I'm out can't do that we have to abide we have to trust in him we have to have hope in him is is he your 911 speed dial or is he your best friend like do you just call him when you have an emergency or are you with him every day those Two different, completely different choices right there will determine a lot about your life. If he's just someone you call because you need something, you're going to be calling him a lot because you're going to always be needing something, which is better than not calling him at all. But if you're always in communication with him, he becomes your best friend, fruit just comes. Fruit just comes comes we have to abide in him and i love that this is jesus's one of his greatest greatest messages he didn't say work in me he didn't say work for me he didn't say do this and this and this and you'll bear fruit all he said is abide in me that's all he asks of us abide in me Yeah, you can give to the poor. Yeah, you can donate your time. Yeah, you can spend your time at the church. 
Just abide in me. That is all he asks. And this is so good, good to know because this requires absolutely no work for a harvest. Abiding is resting in him. Resting in who he is. Trusting in who he is. Trusting in what he says for us. When we, when we put works on and, and we try to, what's, what is the phrase, put on air? Puts on air. When we put on works, it gets really tiring and we lose sight of the end goal because we're so focused on what's ahead right now at this moment. We get so distracted with what we have right now. We forget about everything else. And when we try to accomplish all of these things for, for us to bear fruit, read our Bible for, for an hour every day for a whole month, pray for 40 minutes a day, fast for this and that, then maybe God will bless me. When you do those things, you're not abiding. You're working. Not abiding. But when you're abiding, you're resting in his finished work on the cross. Again, when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. It is finished. What was finished? The work. All of the things you had to do to get God to move, to get God to bless you, to get God to love you, all of those works were finished. It is finished. And the only work that we need to do, Hebrews refers to it as laboring into rest. Labor into his rest. What does that mean? It's an oxymoron. How do you labor into rest? Does it mean you work so hard to the point where you're just so tired? I can't. No. Go back to Genesis with God creating everything. Six days, he created everything. And on the seventh day, he rested. And it wasn't because God was tired. It wasn't, God, it, was, it wasn't because God was like, oh, if I just lift a finger, I'm going to be exhausted. No. God illustrated laboring to rest in the most perfect, perfect sound way. He created everything that we see on this earth today to reproduce after its own kind. Everything we see, a tree, it will, it will just throw seed on the ground, apparently, and a new tree will spring up. Animals, they multiply, they have relations, and they have other animals of the same kind. He created everything to re reproduce after its own kind to the point where it would replenish the earth for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. I mean, if you believe in evolution, which is wrong, it's even more impressive because for millions of years, <laughs> according to their philosophy. But for thousands of years, God's created a perfect world that produces after its own kind. So we never have lack. We're never gonna run out of cows. And did you know that God has never planted another tree? God has never poofed up a new cow? Everything produced since day one. Perfect. And he did all of those things on the first day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. And on the seventh day, he says, 
It's done. It is very good. That's how you labor to rest. And our, our job to labor to rest, our work, by getting in the word. Abiding in the word. Because it's, it's considered work. Because it's unnatural for us humans to not do anything. We feel the need to carry everything on our shoulders. We feel the need that if we don't get something done, it will never get done. We carry all this weight on ourselves. And it's unhealthy. Because then we get stressed. We hit our midlife crisis. We have heart issues. Doctors telling us to get our stress levels down. All these things. All because you're putting everything on yourself. You're putting all the pressure on yourself. But when you labor into rest, when you, when you take time in the word, when you spend hours of your day in the word, just loving the word, not checking off a checklist, don't do those Bible plans. Just read the word. Read it. Just read it. Start in John and find your way to Habakkuk. I don't know. Just read it. And that's your work. That is your labor. Because you got to renew your mind. You got to renew your mind from thinking, I have to accomplish everything for something to get done, to God has already provided everything I'll need according to his power. God has provided all spiritual blessings inside of me. God has given me more than enough to do what I need to do in life. Renewing your mind to that is work. It is work. It is work. It is work. But it's the only work that you're required to do. It is the only work that God's asking of you. He doesn't care how many people it, you, you minister to. He doesn't care how many dollars you give. He doesn't care about all of those things because if you're not abiding in him, it will not produce fruit. You see, the, the end result doesn't justify the means of something. It doesn't justify the means of getting to that place. And you see this all the time in the Old Testament with Gideon. Gideon was given instructions from the Lord to accomplish something, and he didn't do it the way the Lord told him to do it, but he still got the same outcome. But the Lord wasn't pleased because he didn't follow what he told him to do. You see, it doesn't matter how you get something done. It doesn't matter if you've had a thousand crusades and, and saved millions of people. If you're not in the word, it profits you nothing because the word of god is love the word of god is is love written in a book you've got to be abiding you've got to be in the word because that's what really produces fruit and jesus he says that if you abide in me then i'm in you if you abide in me, I'm also abiding in you. You see, so many times we feel like we're, we're, we're away from God, right? You've heard that, that I, I'm just not close to God. I feel like God's far away. I feel like God's silent from me. Why don't, I, why don't I feel God? You know what the result of that is? That's the result of you severing yourself from the branch, from the tree. And you ask, well, how, if a branch is severed, how can you put it back on the tree? God, the worker of impossible, 
It is impossible to put a branch back on a tree. Once it's cut off, it's cut off. Science has been weird lately, I know. This is a whole weird, that's just, that's perverted. I don't know, that's just weird, putting plants together. But it wasn't created to do that. It wasn't created to be put back on a tree once it's chopped off. That's not its purpose. And the only person who can do that is the Lord. But when we separate ourselves from him, when we separate ourselves from the Lord and we stop abiding, God's not going anywhere. God's still on the inside of us. We've just hardened our heart. We have stopped paying attention to him. And marriage is such a beautiful example of all these things because the moment we stop having communication, the minute we stop paying attention to each other over some time, it's going to feel like I don't even have a wife. Where'd her husband go? Even though we're still married, we're still in a relationship, it's going to feel distant. That's what happens to us when we don't abide. We're the one who creates that distance. We're the one who takes a step over here. God doesn't move. God is always with us. He never goes anywhere else. But the reason why we feel like he's gone is because of us, not because of him, because of us. And it's so beautiful that when Jesus, when he's abiding in us, he's living in us. He's making renovations in us. He's decorating the house, making our living room presentable. He's doing great things in us. Great, great things. And it takes us to abide in him, to understand his word, to kind of, to realize all those things, to realize that he's doing a good work inside of us. But see, the minute you focus on doing good things, the minute you focus on, on having to be a good person, being a, a good person, is the moment you've severed yourself from the branch, from the tree. Because you're no longer resting. You're no longer resting in him and hoping in him. You're just doing these things to make God love you. That doesn't work. He already loves you. But you see, the fruit of a tree is often praised. When we go to the supermarket and we buy the apples, we buy oranges, we buy pears and all of these things. We buy all these fruits and we love the fruits. But honestly, ask yourself, when was the last time you went to the grocery store and purchased fruit and thought about, oh, what a seed that was sown? Never. But see, the fruit is always a result of what, what was, of what was sown. Who we are as a person, being a good person, donating to that charity, giving to your church, volunteering your time, all of those good things should be the fruit of who you are. Not the root. Not the root. The root of who you are is Jesus Christ. The root of who you are is abiding in his word. And when you let that germinate, when you let that sow into your heart, the fruit is being a good person. Wanting to be a good person. Not the other way around. And a lot of people mix the two. 
A lot of people think, well, if I'm good enough, then God will bless me. No, no. That's not the seed. The word is the seed. The word of God in your heart is the seed and it will automatically produce fruit if you let it. If you let it. And the only reason why it's, it, it may not produce fruit in you is because you are not letting it. The Bible says that the, it's an un- incorruptible seed. It will never come back void. So if you plant it in your heart and it's not producing, whose fault is it? It's not, it's not, it's not the word's fault. It's our fault. You see, what, what seed are you planting in your heart? Are you planting the seed of the word? Or are you going to be planting the, the seed of the world? Are you planting every good thing that the word of God has to offer? Or are you planting every bad thing the world has to offer in disguise of being good? You see, this is what the word will produce, okay? The word produces this in Proverbs 2, 1 through 9. It says that it'll produce wisdom, it'll produce knowledge, it'll produce discretion. You put your words in my heart and you will have knowledge, wisdom, and discretion. Knowledge to know a lot of information and wisdom to to use that information to do something about it. And discretion to know whether or not you should be doing something. Discretion on every level, what the word says, you can you can have discretion on does this mean this or does this mean that? To discretion on should I be hanging out with this person or should I be hanging out with that person? All things. Wisdom, knowledge, and discretion. It also says in Proverbs 3, it produces long life, it produces peace, and it produces health and strength to your flesh. That's what the word says. It produces life, long life, peace, health, and strength to your flesh. And then Proverbs 4.20 is that the word of God, listen to my words, attend to my sayings, incline your ear to my sayings, for in it are life and health to those who find it. So again, there's life and there's health that are in the word. Go to Psalm chapter 119. Psalm chapter 119, starting on verse chapter 9. 119 verse 9 in the world. There it is. Okay. It says, how can a young man cleanse his way? How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and I will contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. How can a young man cleanse his ways? His word. Going back to Jesus. 
you are clean because of the words I have spoken. When we become clean and when we let the word purify us and cleanse us, this will produce overflowing fruits in our life, overflowing joy, overflowing patience. How many times do you hear someone say that over your life? God, I bless them with patience. You often hear all the good things, right? The, the joy, health, and prosperity, and all this. What about patience? We need patience, especially when we're dealing with young ones. We need patience when we're dealing with, with coworkers and, 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 and subordinates that are not up to par. We need forgiveness. All forgiveness, overflowing amounts of forgiveness are in our life. Peace in our life. See, every good thing that ever flows out of your life is a result of the seed that was planted. In, this, in Psalm 119, you see here, how do you cleanse a young man? By keeping his word in your heart, not forgetting his word. You see, the word produces purity. You can be overflowing, but you can be overflowing in pure water, or you can be overflowing in impure water. You can be overflowing with goodness. You can be overflowing with badness. You could overflow in peace. Who wants that? Or you can be overflowing in fear and worry. Who wants that? You see, we have an option to choose from. And it's, what are we going to plant? Are we going to plant the word of God? Or are we going to plant the world? And this is what the world has to offer. <clears throat> In Romans chapter 8, this will be the last scripture, I think. Unless the Holy Spirit says something else. Romans chapter 8, verse 5, <clears throat> it says this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, for to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You see, carnally minded just means planting the seed of the world in your mind. Listening to what they say over listening to what the Word says. Depending on them for your truth and for guidance over what the Word says. It produces death. But the Spirit, producing, having a spiritual mind, produces life and peace. I've talked about this before. Life is Zoe life. Abundant life overflowing life fullness of life completeness of life that's what the word produces he goes on to say because the carnal mind is enmity against the lord in other words it's opposed it's it's against god for it is not subject to the law of god nor indeed can it be so then those who are in the flesh cannot please god but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. You see, we don't read this to say, oh my goodness, I'm going to be subject to death. 
No, no, no. You read this and then you see, but you are not in the flesh, but of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in in you. Now, who is here this morning that has the spirit of God dwelling on the inside of them? Amen. Every person. So you're not subject to death. You are no longer subject to death. You are subject to life and peace. And that spiritual mindedness is what you need to experience this life and that peace. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give Zoe life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You see, you have Zoe life on the inside of you, overflowing life on the inside of you. But what are you going to produce? Are you going to produce life and peace? Or are you going to produce death? What are you going to be planting into your heart? You already have the spirit of life inside of you. And when you plant that seed, it will automatically produce fruit. Automatically. Who wants that? Right? Jesus said in John chapter 6 that the, the flesh profits me nothing. But the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. You see this all over scripture. Flesh profits nothing. Flesh produces death. Spirit produces life and peace, fullness of life, abundance of life. You want to start bearing fruit? You want to start overflowing in fruit? You got to quit vacationing and start abiding. You got to quit just dropping by the house of God every once in a while because you need some food. If God, if God could break up with you, he would because you're toxic. You got to be with him. You got to be with him. And thank God he's not petty. Thank God he's not like some of our exes. And he has mercy. He has grace. He has forgiveness. He says, son, daughter, would you stop vacationing? Look, I got everything you want. I got the penthouse over here. I got the beach house over here. Stay with me. Stay with me. He has everything we need. Everything we need, and not just that, but everything we want. Because here's the tricky part. When you abide in him, what you want is what God wants. Your heart adapts to what he wants. So long are you wanting things for profit and for gain. I mean, the enemy will try to come in and do, do things like that. But when you're in the word, when you're abiding in him, God's desires become yours. And what God wants you to do in life, you want to do in life. It's beautiful. So not only does God have what you need, but God has what you want. 
and everything he has for us is good and is pleasing. So will you start abiding and quit vacationing? Would you stop going to God every once in a while because you have a need? And will you start just going to him every day because you love him? Because you love him. If I was God, I'd feel like I'd be taken advantage of a lot. Good thing I'm not God. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for... I thank you for the seed that you've given us. You've given us an incorruptible seed, Father, that is guaranteed to work. And I love that about you, Lord, because you don't, you don't leave us wondering. You don't leave us dangling with information. You don't, you don't confuse us. You, you give us direction straight on. You give us instruction perfectly. And Lord, I thank you. God, I thank you for that. I thank you for always leading us besides the still, quiet waters. Lord, I thank you for the, the rod and the staff, for they comfort us, for your word, for it, it protects us, and it also corrects us. But Lord, we most importantly thank you for your grace. Because even though we will not follow you perfectly, even though we won't be abiding perfectly, Lord, you've still given us grace and you've still given us mercy and you've still given us fullness of joy, fullness of life, fullness of peace, fullness of all of our needs, Lord. You've clothed us with righteousness. You've, you've poured out your spirit on us. You've anointed our head with oil, Lord, and you've made our cup run over. So, Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the Holy Spirit speaking through me this morning. I pray that this word is sown deep into the heart of every person listening. I pray that this word is sown so deep that it'll take a whole excavating crew to dig this thing out. God, we thank you for every good thing you have for us this morning and for the, the weeks, months, and years to come, Lord. You are such a good God. You're so gracious to us, and we love you. And in your precious name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Well, why don't you guys stand, and we'll be dismissed and go off on our rest of our Sunday. Who was blessed this morning? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hey, I really, really want to encourage you guys to... Hand out those cards. Um, don't forget about those on your way out this morning. Um, grab a few. Grab 10 or 20 if you want to grab some. Um, good place to put out at businesses. Put them on a business, local business and keep them on a desk or something like that. Um, just keep the word out, you know. We, we have a lot, of, a lot of donors who give to the ministry. Um, and without them, without those, those donors, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing. And so the more people we have, it, it, the better because the more seeds we can plant into their lives, the more things we can do for them. Amen? And in return, they'll be blessed, they'll produce fruit, and they'll be a blessing to other people.
people. So I encourage you guys to to take some of those cards, invite someone next week. We want to see this place packed out. Uh, we we want to be able to um, be uncomfortable in this room because it's, there's too many people here. So invite someone. Just bring bring a friend, bring a family member. Um, do something to make us go, wow, we need another building. Amen? So I bless you guys all in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. I pray you live victorious lives and that the life of abundance overflows in each and every one of your lives. I pray whatever you touch will prosper. Whatever you do will produce a mighty harvest in the name of Jesus. Continue to live in the victory. And remember, you are always welcome here in our family of faith. We love you guys and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Deep Rooted Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more from Matthew and Stephanie, subscribe to this podcast and visit our website. From there, you will be able to contact us directly, access our live Bible study archives, and so much more. You can also find out how to partner with us in sharing the gospel all across the world. Be blessed today, continue living in the victory, and remember that you are always welcome here in our family of faith.